In our effort to speak and in our exhaustion from going unheard, in the healing we've postponed and the empty chairs that stay cold, God of the warm blanket, steady our bodies as your presence pulls us close. When our drapes are closed and our screens are lit, God our neighbor pull us into the arms of where we discover the cleansing of embrace of you. We light a candle tonight for peace, the dream of it and the struggle for it as we hold the hands of those who hold our hearts. God of peace, give us the courage to take in your cure and the clarity to see that there can be no peace for anyone until there is peace for everyone. Together we say, we light this candle for peace. May we rise up together with all and for all. Third through fifth, you can go out that way. And then kindergarten through second, go out this way. Am I, we good? Is that all the children? Pre-K. Pre-K. Wow. Okay. Quite the fumble. Twice in a row. Hey, good evening, everybody. My name is Matt Moberg. I am uh, one of the people that serve in this community. And I am... No, do you want me? I can help if you want it. Uh, we're glad that you are here in this Advent season. It's the craziest season. Uh, it always ends up being that way. And I'll probably talk about that in a little bit here. But uh, welcome. This is the space in our worship program where we, we make space to take our stories and root them inside of a scriptural story and try to find some kind of nutritious value. Something that's going to edify and empower us in our lives Monday through Sunday when we're not all together. Um, before we do that, though, in the off chance that, uh, you know, it's not a very helpful sermon at all, Matt. What I do want you to know, what I want you to walk out of this room with at least is the awareness, the felt reality that who you are is more important than what you do, even if what you do gets more attention than who you are. We sit in that truth that the song that Maggie led us in, Beloved You Belong, echoes throughout our lives day in, day out. We do not forget that. That's part of our Christian conviction is we are committed to reminding ourselves that, to reminding one another that. Now, we are going to talk about peace. You know, I'm going to try to be an adult tonight in... Uh, stay on my stool and not wander and keep my hands to myself. Most people just think these things in their head, but I shared it because I love you guys. Okay. So in accordance with the candle and the reading we just did on this night, uh, we are going to talk about peace, this hallmark, this highlight that always comes with the Christmas season where we join the angels that broke over the skies while lowly shepherds were in the hills and they say glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is Please, that's how the story goes. Is that how the story's going? I mean, like, personally, geopolitically. Because if I look to my left and I look to my right and I look high and I look low, if I go to Gaza or I look to the grocery store the other day when it was crazy, or Ukraine or your house or the mirror and deal with that gap between the me I am and the me I aspire to be. Is, is that how it's actually working out in your lives? Because it makes me go, peace doesn't seem very palpable to me. Is God not pleased by anybody? Angels broke up in the sky and they said, peace on earth. 
to those whom God is well pleased by. You know, typically when we talk about peace, and we've, we've scattered this kind of message throughout many series that we've done. My mind goes, when we talk about peace, to the evasive realities of peace, geopolitically, conflict, uh, tribalism, fundamentalism, all those things. But I'm not going to go there tonight because in the past 14 days, I think I've had 18 different meetings with different individuals. And there's been people in coffee shops, in parking lots, AA meetings, funeral parlors, FaceTimes in the middle of the night. Uh, my crazy fifth grade basketball team today that lost to Hudson by 42 points. Bunch of Bind Lake blood on that team. I don't know what was happening. Didn't feel good. Not much peace happening there either. What I've concluded, though, throughout these 18 games in 14 days, or 18 meetings in the past 14 days, is you guys are a hot mess. Like, I mean, I think everyone is so stressed out right now. There's not a lot of conversations. People are like, can we get some time just so I can share how peaceful I've been? Like how easy and smooth sailing it's all been for me. No. I mean, it's like even last night, we're, my wife and I, we're going to a party, and we just started not hitting. That was, but like, we was like, oh, okay, and miscommunication, and it got weird, then it got better, then probably got weird again, and after I say this out loud to you, it probably get weird even more. So I don't really know how it's all going to shake out, but my point being is that like again and again, people that I run into, people that I have these conversations with, everyone seems to be stressed. And when I asked somebody about it the other day, they said, kind of par for the course with the season that we're in. Like, happy birthday, Jesus. In honor of you, we created chaos and commercialism that is driving us all insane. Thanks for being born. That's how it feels again and again in this season right now. And so I want to just check in with you all, and I want you to be honest with me in you right now. Just you right now. The things that you came into this room with. The things you tried to leave behind, but they're inevitably caught up inside. How are you doing? Like, how is your stress level today? If the scale of like one to 10, where would you put it at? 10 being like, I'm, I'm done, I'm gassed, I'm exhausted, I'm frustrated. The thing that was supposed to happen didn't end up happening. Or like two is like, I'm 83 years old and I realize the crap a lot of people care about, I don't have to care about anymore, so I'm good. Where are you at? Put some fingers in the air. Just give me like, if you're brave enough, let me know. Are you one, two, three, four, or somewhere in the five to 10 range? How are you guys doing? Yeah. I see fours and fives and threes, sixes, fives, yeah. So it's real, it's there. Follow-up question is this, and do me a favor, will you just close your eyes for a second and take a deep breath. Now with your eyes closed, I want you to get on the forefront of your mind, the thing that is um, the greatest source of stress in your life at this very moment. And you better not be picturing me or we will start excommunicating people immediately after the service. Just take a moment. What is the greatest single source of stress? What jumps out to you? Now open your eyes and hold that for a moment. I read this article the other day and they talked about how we all have unique burdens that we all carry. Everyone's got their own battle. We all have different things. They have different implications, different kind of roadblocks that stand between us and peace, as we perceive it at least. But this writer of the article said, you know, as unique as all of our burdens are, you could actually kind of categorize them in four different places. Many different burdens, but they all come from one of these four different categories. So the writer says, and I think it's true. It comes from either place, pace, problem, 
or person? The single thing that you just brought to the forefront of your mind, where does that come from? Which one does your one call home? Is it a place? Might even be this place, coming back to church. Maybe it's been a minute since you've been to church. Maybe you had a terrible experience at church and you don't want to darken the doors of a church again and yet your friend brought you here and you don't know how to get out because the guy up front keeps talking and there's no clear exit plan. Maybe it's going back to a Christmas-like family table that you no longer feel safe at. Maybe it's showing up to the office tomorrow, the school tomorrow. What about pace? Everybody I ask, and I am probably the worst at this. How you doing? What do people say? Busy. Busy. I'm busy. So busy. Busy, 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 busy. Everyone. And I don't even know how, like, if I say, like, I'm good, I'm, well, in my ADHD mind, I'm like, well, I'm also, like, not all good, like, have problems. So I feel like busy is a good default. But how many of our lives are being sabotaged by unhealthy pace of life? Is it a problem? You know, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, you have no money. Maybe it's, you know, you have a lot of money, more money, more problems is how the gospel of Puff Daddy said. Maybe your problem is something in your body. Maybe your problem is an addiction. Maybe your problem is a sense of like stuckness and you can't even name why. Mental health. Or maybe your problem is a person. Maybe your problem is people. All people. <laughs> Every homo sapien on planet Earth has, yeah, maybe that's it. Because admittedly, like, you know, when I ask what is the greatest source of stress in your life right now, I know at least for five or six of us in the room, there was a face that came to mind. Which is why I said, like, imagine it. Because if I said, say it, and you started pointing at people in the room, we'd have a whole other can of worms we'd have to open up. So maybe it's place, maybe it's pace, maybe it's problem, maybe it's person. And yet Christmas comes around every year with a promise of peace to confront these areas of stress. Christmas comes around and says peace on earth. On those whom God's favor rests. Which as we say every Sunday is all of us. There's a story, one of the after the Christmas story is old man Zechariah. He's the high priest at the temple. He's a dad to, to be born, John the Baptist, the wild man we talked about earlier, remarked this fall. Story goes that Zach is married to a woman named Elizabeth, and they're kind of like um, echoes of Abraham and Sarah. They're getting very old in age, and they don't have any kids. So they've been hitting like the, the prayer chain at church. They've been doing everything they can. They're fasting. They're going to temple on the regular. They're always on their knees saying, God, will you please give us a baby? But they probably hadn't done that for a couple of decades now because they're very old. Their bodies can't do that anymore. But somewhere in the back of the mind, that prayer still exists. And so one day, uh, Zechariah has been charged, tasked with going to the temple to uh, uh, do his priestly duties. When he steps into the dark room, all by him is lonesome. There's an angel that he encounters inside. Angel says, good news. The prayer that you used to pray, that you sometimes pray still, it's going to happen. Elizabeth is going to get pregnant. Elizabeth will have a son, and you are to call him John. Now, naturally, if you are a priest or any kind of person, you step into a room where an angel meets you there, you're terrified. He's stressed out. 
he starts talking like, well, how am I going to know if this actually is what happens? How do I know if this is going to play it out? Like, is there any proof, any evidence at hand you could suggest that might get over my hump of disbelief right now? And Angel says, I'd rather you just don't talk for a little while. Makes the man go mute. He walks out of the room, and people are, are kind of shook by the sight of him because he cannot explain what he just saw. His mouth is moving, but no noise is coming out. And they, they come to realize, like, he's had some kind of revelation, some kind of vision in there. Don't know why. But the vision comes to pass. The vision comes to pass. Elizabeth has baby John. And then Zechariah opens his mouth. His tongue is loose, and he praises God, and he prophesies over his son. And I want you to listen to these words because when we talk about peace... When we talk about how do we expect our experience of peace to be in a time of chaos and stress. Listen to what Zechariah, who's been quiet for months now, comes out and says. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Pause. How is peace going to happen now? Pay attention. He says, next part, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of everybody who hates us. So Zechariah comes out and he said, this is good news. Peace is going to come. God is finally going to set us free. How are we going to get to peace and safety and assurance and some kind of stability in this chaotic world? We're, we're going to lose our problems. He says, like, if we can get, if our problems can go, then peace can come. If all the things that are bothering us, if we can get some space between whatever is inconvenient or not exactly in line with my preferences, we're going to be all right because that will make space then for peace to come. That's not exactly how it works though, is it? I'm not going to tell you, I have a daily dosage of three different children in my house and I love them all, the most important people in my life. But in the past five years, I could not tell you if I've ever had peace. At least not in this idea of like complete stillness, calm, uh, no problems whatsoever. So when I read these words and that word jumps out, Zechariah, what do you mean when you say that God comes to save us from the things that are in us? How does that actually shake out? You get, for so many years, and this is such a common refrain, for others of you in AA, you might recognize this conversation, but for a long time, we tend to have this way of thinking and framing up the world where we think, if I can just arrange my life, set it all up, so all the wrinkles are gone. So the things that stress me out, sometimes it's the snow, sometimes it's kids, sometimes it's the Vikings, sometimes it's my schedule, sometimes, whatever it might be, money, whatever the thing, if I can figure that out, then I can actually find peace. But the problem is, and this is why it's important that we understand where is our source of stress if we're actually trying to find reality of peace, is whatever you determine to be the greatest source of stress in your life is gonna dictate where you're going to look for peace. If, if peace is only on the other side of me getting some cash, then I can't have peace until I get that cash. If peace is my kids going crazy, then peace is not possible until my kids calm down. If peace is not going to actually arrive until the house is spick and span and those fingerprints are painted over, then peace is still out there somewhere. It's not here right now. It's a myth. And to cope with that myth, we develop different coping mechanisms. 
Different ways to numb the pain and the disturbance of like, I can't have peace. There's always something going on. There's always some kind of problem that's interfering with what I want the most. It's always out there. But here's one of the things I've learned over the years is this is why so many people who are sitting at the top rung of the ladder, they're so depressed. Not everyone, but so many people are. Because what they figured was, what we would all figure would be, is if you get enough cash, you can buy enough comfort, provide yourself with enough conveniences, and there'll be no, nothing that's going to interrupt your peace anymore. But then they get there, and they have the cash, and they do have more comfort, and there is a lot of conveniences, but why are they still so depressed? There's a, it's a unique kind of depression when you get to the top rung of the ladder and find out the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And you look around going like, is this, now what? I thought this would be the thing, providing my peace, give me some joy, make Christmas be real, finally. Zechariah has a shift in this. He goes from this place of peace is when our problems are removed to this other place where it says peace can come while the problems are still here. At the end of his prophetic word over his baby boy, John, he says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Light, joy, gift, God breaks in not just to those who are camping out on beaches in Maui or behind gated communities. He says to give light to those who are still sitting in the presence of darkness, who are still have a shadow of death hanging over their head. So again, think about your greatest source of stress that's occupying your spirit as you sit inside of this space. Is it possible that God's peace is not the kind of peace that happens when problems are removed, but that it can happen right now? It's accessible. It's here. I always have this image from one of the protests a few years back where there's this Buddhist monk that would come and he'd be part of our like interfaith um, email chain. And we'd always look to him to kind of lead it. And not because he was like this big voice. He wasn't that voice at all. Actually, I couldn't even tell you what his voice sounded like. But what he would do, he said, I'm going to show people what it looks like to be in the midst of hell and be at peace. I'm going to be a benevolent presence of peace in this space. And he would walk around while things are being thrown and people are shouting and there's threats being made and it's painful and it's hard and it's ugly and it's important and it's intense. And he would just put his hands behind his back and walk around. See, what he's discovered, what I'm trying to learn in my own life is that the thing that keeps me from peace is not a place, a problem, a person. It's, it's, it's not any of those things. The things that I think are a problem are not the real problem. The thing that keeps me from peace is my insistent expectation of perfection. As long as I insist that perfection is coming, you'll never get to touch peace. But for everybody who's taken a hit, who everybody has learned to walk with a limp, and yet you still showed up and laughed at some point today. You tasted the bitter drink of life, and you still remain thirsty. 
You've gone through the fire, but you don't smell like smoke. You are living examples. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death. How is God in this moment? He's not taking me off the path. God's joining me in it. This is our prayer. This is what we believe peace to be possible for each and every one of us. And this is why we want to support peacemakers who are actually embodying this call on their lives and doing powerful work where they are. We have friends, Malad and Menar, who live in Bethlehem. Uh, they started this organization called the House of Hope, where right now they are being bankrupt. They have this beautiful vision of this school. They're raising up all these young Palestinian kids, and they're giving them a, uh, they're teaching them about peacemaking. They're teaching them about character. They're thinking about com community, how to actually be in each other's corner and treat people with respect, despite any difference you may or may not have. They're doing all this beautiful work, and they're being bankrupt because they're Palestinians. Churches that were in their corners before have dropped like flies. And so that will not be the same for us. House of Hope, Bethlehem, they will be our sole Christmas offering recipient this year. We're going to keep talking about them until we get to Christmas Eve because their work matters. We need people who know how to access peace in Gaza, in grocery stores, in houses, in strife. We need people who know that peace is possible even when peace feels so far away. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are good, you are God. And we are grateful, God, for the different ways that you have loved us, for your arrival, God, for the way that you interrupt our stress and chaos and instability. And you say peace on earth, which is different than saying go find some peace in earth. The peace comes from you, so we don't need to get it from anybody else. Let that be a consistent reminder in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Matt. What a beautiful message because I sat there shaking my head that, yeah, I'm not really feeling a lot of peace right now. And isn't it ironic that during this season when we're preparing and getting ready for the birth of Jesus, that um, probably the, one of the busiest times of the year where that peace feels elusive. But we've also got to walk alongside and witness a lot of people who've been through a lot of really hard Things and have continued to find a peace beyond understanding. <laughs> a peace beyond us. And it's a gift when you witness it. Because we know it's from the divine. When Matt was talking, I was thinking about Jesus, this Jesus we follow, this Jesus that we say, we're going to practice your ways, we're going to be peacemakers. This Jesus who was with his disciples and said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, and I do not give to you like the world gives. And that's what we have to remember. That's right, it's not a peace that would, everything's in the right order, in the right place, and all things are good. This is a different kind of peace. Mm, this peacemaker sat at a table with his brothers, and they broke bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. He took wine and he poured it into a cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. The new covenant, when you drink from this cup, remember me. 
So that's what we do. When you come forward, there'll be two people standing up here and you can take that bread and dip it into the cup and we can pause and we can remember not only was Jesus a peacemaker, but he calls us to be peacemakers too. So if you could stand and together we'll pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom It strikes me, I didn't think about this until this moment, but we sing glory to God in the highest, the words of the angels over the shepherds at night. We should have known that this is what peace looks like. When you recognize that they announced the good news of peace over a baby who's being born and that birth will compel a genocide from a government. Peace on earth. If peace is only possible when the problems have gone away, then the Prince of Peace had no peace in his life. Every corner he turned, there was no peace because <laughs> there was always problems. And yet he carried himself with the kingdom of God within so he didn't have to go after kingdoms around him to find his peace. May the same be true for us. If you're smelling that aroma, it is good. If you didn't get to go outside and go to the bathroom and make any moves out in the hall quite yet, you're going to want to welcome that all the way in because it's beautiful. So come, grab a seat, get at a table, make some friends, enjoy some soup. Uh, let's be together. Before we close, would you close your eyes? Would you hold out your hands? Would you receive these words from the heart of God directly to you whom his favor rests upon? Friends, no matter who you are or what you've done, who you love or what you've lost, where you've gone or the places that you've stayed. Please know that there will always be a seat here for you at the table because you are beloved child of God. And beloved, you belong. We'll see you at the table.